Hello, and welcome to episode 65 of the Cognicast, a podcast by Cognitech Inc. about software and the people that create it. I'm your host, Craig Andera. A few notes for you. Uh, there's a couple deadlines, actually, I need to throw at you. Um, mostly this week, uh, where we have one being the end of the regular registration rate for the closure conge. That ends on Friday, October 17th. So right now, as I record this, the regular registration rate is $350 on Friday, October 17th. That will end, and on the 18th, it'll go up to $450 for the late registration fee. So you wanna, if you're thinking about getting your tickets, you should do that as soon as you can. Save yourself a few dollars. Um, related to that, the conference hotel rate also ends on Friday the 17th. Uh, we're talking 2014 here, of course. Um, after that, rooms might still be available at the regular hotel rate, but you'll want to take advantage of the conference rate if you can. Um, another deadline for you on the 17th is t the closure survey, the state of closure survey, which um, Cognitech is running this year. Um, been handed off that by Chaz Emmerich, who usually runs it. Um, that also ends on the 17th, so you should uh, search your way to the closure survey, closure, state of closure survey, and respond to that by October 17th. And once that closes, of course, we will be uh, publishing the data with some analysis, so look forward to that as well. But certainly run over there and check that out. I should also mention, too, that if you go, um, there is one survey that everybody should take, and then if you're a Closure Script developer, there's a second survey that you should also take. Um, the instructions should make that pretty clear, but just wanted to mention that. Um, one more thing to mention before we go into the episode, which is we are doing another webinar. The last two have been well received, and so we're happy to be putting on yet another one. Um, this one is a topic that will be familiar to our listeners from the past few episodes. We're going to be talking about Simulant, and that will be given by Mike Nygaard, guest on the show a couple times. That one is going to run on October 24th at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, which is uh, UTC minus 4. Um, Registration should be live by the time you hear that, and you can go to go.cognitech.com slash simtestwebinar. That's all one word, no spaces, simtestwebinar. I think that's all I have for you today. Oh, actually, one more thing I did want to mention, which is if you are coming to the conj, I will mention this a few more times, but please, 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 please um, do come and say hi. Um, would love to talk to you. Always love to hear listeners' opinions of the show or just, hey, I listen. It's just super nice to meet you all. So um, if you see me at the conj or anywhere else for that matter, do come up and say hi. With uh, Last year, any number of people did that. It was super nice to meet you. So uh would love to speak with you again, or if you haven't done that before, if you're it's your first time at the conch, come up and say hi. So, just wanted to mention that. All right, we will go on to episode 65 of the Cognicast. Well, I think I'm ready to start. Are you ready to start? Yeah, sure. All right, then we will start. All right, so welcome, everybody. Today is Friday, September 12th in the year 2014, and this is the Cognicast. We welcome our listeners, and uh, we welcome especially our guest back for his second appearance on the show. Although your first appearance was a long, long time ago, Michael Parento. Welcome to the show, Michael. Hello, everybody. It's, it's great to have you back, and before we um, launch into what I'm sure will be a fascinating conversation with you, I want to make sure that I ask you what intro music we've been playing. We're listening to Feel It All Around by Washed Out. Maybe maybe not necessarily uh, uh, recognized uh, by title or band name or whatnot, but uh, if you've ever seen the show Portlandia, you know, that's the, uh, that's the intro music to ah, Portlandia. Okay, cool. <laughs> and of course, you're in Portland right now, so it's I am. highly appropriate. Definitely appropriate. So, 
So, Michael, I mean, I think people have heard your name quite often. You know, we've mentioned you on the show for any number of reasons, not least of which is the, the cover art that you do for every single episode. Today, that's definitely one of the things I want to talk to you about. But, uh, God, it's actually quite a list. You are, uh, you are kind of the force behind... Well, actually, how would you describe your position at Cognitech? I think it's it's somewhat unique relative to, like, I am a developer, and we have a we have a fair number of developers. Obviously, um, how would you describe your role at the company? I mean, people might have heard of it if they've heard it the last episode, but it, maybe it's evolved. Yeah, my role has uh, has definitely evolved over time. Um, sure. I please. mean, I could tell a, a quick brief story about. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I was I was hired originally to. Um, uh, once upon a time, uh, uh, by a company called I've heard of it. Uh, Relevance, I've heard of it. and um, yeah, and um, and and at the time uh, we were um, Relevance was looking to uh, branch out and uh, create an incubator for startups, and um, and specifically they were looking to work with a designer to help um, really quickly uh, sort of put together application interfaces for you know various startup ideas. Uh, I think that the idea at the time was that we would have lots of um of projects that we'd have and uh, you know working with like outside founders and things like that and and um well uh when i when i had actually gotten on came on board and started you know it turned out that this particular model for creating an incubator was a little bit a little bit more challenging in in different spaces that nece- we necessarily wanted to invest time and 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 money into and um and uh, and and really what what that what that meant was is well now that we have michael what what are we going to do with him and uh you know at time uh, one of my goals was to improve the brand for the company uh, you know and actually actually work on our presence and how it is that we communicate ourselves and project our our company brand and identity out into the world and then also basically, you know, actually work on client projects, uh, work on actual uh, applications that we were, uh, you know, building for uh, different different clients that we were contracting with. And, you know, uh, so I basically was the only designer at Relevance for uh, some time and, uh, you know, eventually ended up building a, a smaller team. And um, and we I, I became sort of the creative director at the company and and worked with designers and and how designers integrated with engineers and how to how to basically work together you know uh, from design to to engineering and I think that my role now has um, has sort of this broad range of of tasks <laughs> everything from uh, working on client projects that have uh, that have a user interface. HTML and CSS and some some JavaScript, um, and uh, to to say making art for the podcast, uh, which is something that is uh, you know kind of kind of uh, goes back to my original roots as an artist, uh, my my background of being in fine arts, and to me that's just a it's just really really cool that I get to do that. All right, so you mentioned the the cover art, so I can't I can't let that go. We definitely want to talk to you about that. So I gotta say, I've said before, it's definitely one of my favorite parts of the show. But I don't know if I've ever said this for a long time. I actually, in a way, felt a little bit bad about coming to you every week because part of the show that people don't hear is at the end of the episode. You know, I take a couple of minutes and talk to the guests, and I say, hey, you know, Michael's gonna create a you know custom piece of piece of art for the show. Do you have any? input. And, you know, sometimes people will and sometimes they won't. Uh, like Neil Ford said, I really like Mark Rothko. Could you do something in that uh, vein? And so every <laughs> episode I would come to you with my hat in my hands and say, like Michael, too. do you think you could somehow make in the next like four days uh, a picture that somehow unites pizza and type theory? And I always felt, oh man, that's just <laughs> like dropping this weird, you know, task on you. You always came through and that it's, I've always loved it. But but I actually talked to you about this recently, and you said, "No, man, it's it's actually kind of something I really like." Is that, I, I mean, what's that like when somebody comes to you as an artist and says, "Here's this random thing. Can you somehow create a, a visual artifact for it?" It's really it's really pretty cool, you know. Uh, as a, I mean, to me, as a as a as a fine artist in in, in the past. When when I had I'd sort of embarked on this this journey of being an artist. Um, I mean, long before you know, I actually even got into computers. One of the things that that really fascinated me about art was 
art as a language, uh, as a as a means for being able to communicate um, ideas. Um, so I got really into like conceptual art and you know working with found objects and uh, I did a lot of sculpture and uh, you know working with found objects and and trying to map ideas to 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 you know sculpture uh, specifically like looking at old things that had some particular use that might potentially have uh, convey some meaning you know like for example you think of a light bulb what, what do you think of a light bulb when when i when i say light bulb well, it's funny the, the thing what that comes into my mind is is actually a, like a the iconic incandescent light bulb not an actual light bulb but the circular on top with a tapered base sure. and like a little line drawing of a of a spiral inside but it's very flat like two-dimensional right Right. So, and if and if I were to ask you what what to, to map some meaning to that, what would you? Well, you know, you there's maybe, the obvious you know, one associate um, that of with? light, right? Like I, it illuminates a room, but also um, clearly has the imagery of like discovery or or an idea. So you know exactly. And 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 the thing is, is that like uh, we, I would oftentimes uh, take a look at objects uh, like a light bulb. And, um, and 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 take that take that found object and um, use it in a sculpture in some context to suggest uh, you know uh, an ap- the application of that of that meaning and um, you might look at the arrangement of the sculpture and think well, what is this pile of junk but if you say for example read a paragraph of text about about you know some of these uh, visual mappings then you would uh, start to kind of see the story that, w- that I was trying to tell uh, through art. And, um, and so, so at, you know, really early in my career, um, I uh, had a, an express interest in, in communicating uh, things visually. And, um, you know, and, that, and that, that goes as far as to even, and, you know, I got into etymology and linguistics and, you know, studied Sanskrit for years. And, and you know, uh, I was on this sort of, I don't know, I guess crusade of some sort to, to, to understand even the English language, which, you know, has many origins. And um, all with the idea that maybe if I understood uh, some of the roots of language that maybe potentially I, I might be able to communicate more clearly, you know, with my art and with the symbols that I was using. That to me is, is, is an extraordinary challenge because uh, languages aren't universal, uh, I mean, you know, there, some people might argue that, you know, mathematics is uh, somewhat of a universal language uh, of sorts and that there are uh, aspects in nature which are universal. But but language itself in terms of an abstract layer that sits on top of uh, the world like a map uh, that we uh, encode information into, that's not universal, you know, even, you know, things that things are, you know, uh, affected by culture, by location, uh, affected by tone, affected by uh, sensual ability, you know, uh, people, people who can't see, for example, uh, you know, well, visual, visual language doesn't, doesn't work that great for you know, people that don't see or, you know, and, and maybe, maybe even there, I'm making a complete assumption, but uh, because I can see, but the, the, the point is, is that it's a, it's challenging. It's a really hard thing to do. Um, but I find that fascinating and super fun. And so when you come to be with some information that uh, a guest has supplied, uh, which actually to me is really, really cool because now I'm taking information from somebody else. And it's kind of like a, a little bit of a game of the telephone, but um but it's it's really it's really neat to me that this that I, I just like came ac- came across this stuff randomly, and I get to look at it and say okay well you know how how would I how would I go about you know mapping that to something visually uh, to share and and ultimately uh, one of the cool things about the podcast to me is that I get to um, I get sort of a freedom in 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 the reign of uh, you know what what the final outcome is it's 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 not like um, it's not like somebody's saying, "Now you can't, you can't, you can't do that." <laughs> you know, it's like I, I still have some sort of uh, control over the aesthetics in terms of how you know what I think it looks like at the end of it. Um, uh, and you know, sometimes that's I'm playing a, a game against time and you know the constraint of time because you know I don't have an infinite amount of time in order to create these things. But uh, but you know that that's kind of a fun aspect too. But uh, but you know, at, at the end of the day, it's like. It's like I get to take this message and try and map it to something, 
and and then and then you know I have my initial judgment, which is uh, it looks pretty cool. I, you know, I I like what I'm doing. You know, and then I share it with you, <laughs> right? And then you're like, you know, sometimes you're like that's awesome, you know, and then other times it's like, I'm not sure I get it, you know, and that, and that's to be expected, but that's, that's a really fun sort of conversation that you and I actually get to have. Yeah, no, it's um, totally true. I mean, my reaction you know I mean? very frequently when I get the, you know, you, cause you'll hit me up on Skype and you'll show, send me a link and I click the link and quite often my reaction is, oh, that's so good. And every once in a while, like you say, I'm like, well, why did he choose that? And then, you know, we might talk about it a little bit more. Very rarely it will result in some changes, but oftentimes it's just, oh yeah, right. Now that you said like two words, it makes a lot of sense to me. That's a really interesting thing. The fact that it thing that requires said, additional context. Uh, to me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that to me is that to me is probably one of the most interesting things about um about that entire I mean you just that that to me really kind of screams what it what it means to map information to, to visualizations is is oftentimes it's just that additional context two words and um and all of a sudden you know you 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 uh, the cover gained fidelity okay so um you actually just said the word visualization and i, I don't want to close the topic of the covers actually before before we do that i do want to ask you one more thing about the covers and i suspect it might be a rude question akin to yeah. asking a parent who their favorite child is. <laughs> but I wonder if you have any any covers where the experience of it creating it was especially um, memorable or any that came out that you are especially happy with or any kind of um, covers of note to you. Right. Well, you know... Uh... Yeah, I mean, there's, 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 well, you know, it's, it is, it is kind of like, uh, <laughs> it is kind of like thinking about uh, a favorite child. I, I, I don't necessarily think that I have one specifically that, that that's better, uh, or that would that the experience was uh, more like wowing or, you know, I, 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 I don't, I don't think there was one, but, but I can definitely say that that um, there. The most challenging ones are are when we are uh, trying to come up with a cover for something like uh, Cordot typed, mm. for example. That 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 one was difficult, which of course ended up being about you know pizzas and donuts and pepperoni, which yes. you know of course that was a really interesting iteration between you and I. You know that you know in, in in the sense of like where we actually displayed some code, right? To sort of maybe explain what it was that we might be looking at and utilizing the technology. You know, I, I don't necessarily know that anybody else on the show actually even has been given that explanation uh, for that. But uh, but you know that's that's again additional context, right? Uh, which could be interesting to to listeners. Uh, you know, other other ones. You know, like uh, in that space. You know, core async, right? That was a, that was a very interesting uh, cover art. Uh, that you know again ended up becoming somewhat abstract, but I think was effective. Uh, I, I, I remember getting somebody somebody reached out to me and was like, "Wow, that uh, you took something that was very very abstract and and uh, applied something to, to to tell the story of you know what that might do," uh, and and that's really cool. That was the uh, conveyor belt one. The conveyor belt one. Yeah, that's yeah. A good. That's a good. You know, uh, like uh, particularly, uh, you know, uh, Rich's episodes have been interesting. Uh, <laughs> you know, his his uh, um, uh, the one one that was really particularly interesting. Uh, it was before we started doing the larger format. Was uh, um, the one that sort of like ended up like an equalizer. You know, uh, uh, something having something to do with like you know sound um, software and and that you know again is is a really interesting concept in the sense that uh, you can't normally see sound, but you can because of computers, uh, and, and that's pretty cool. Yeah, that one was super meta because we talked about sound processing on the show. So it's a show where you need a visualization for an audio medium where we talk about audio signals, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really cool. And, and you know, then I think that there was other other ones that that have been fun. You know, Kevin Linus was a lot of fun because it was mm. you know he's in Portland and um, uh, he had uh, released the Weathertron and you know and he just like said something about bicycles and and so it was just like you know kind of ma it's like total mashup. It's like there's bits of bits and pieces of uh, the Weathertron like interface uh, of a photograph of Portland in the background and this like real sort of. I don't know, hipster-like looking, you know, illustration of a bicycle. And 
you know, that, that just ended up being a total mashup. And, you know, every once in a while, it's like, you know, somebody's like, well, you know, again, like the Mark Rothko one, like, I love Mark Rothko. That to me was a lot of fun to make something Rothko like, you know, uh, I mean, my classic fine art, you know, training and, and studies. Uh, Rothko was, was a subject that I studied his, his work in, in color and in uh, sort of uh, environment. I mean, I don't know if you've ever stood next to a Rothko uh, in, no. in, in, in real life. If you, if you go to like the Museum of Modern Art, you know, looking at a Rothko in a book is 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 uh, not quite as quite the same sort of experience as like standing next to the painting. I mean, his paint a lot of his paintings were ten by ten feet large. I mean, mm. so if you were to imagine something like that sitting next to your couch, you know, it's it's quite a bit of color uh, to have in an, an environment. So the presence of that color, and then some of the subtleties, the way that you know a shape that is really loose may blend into another uh, sort of hue or shade of, of that same color and the effect that it has, uh, you know, and, and, and how that, how that, uh, um, how your brain is perceiving it, you know, and uh, what that does to sort of your mood, you know, uh, is, is really fascinating, uh, like how, how it feels to stand next to a giant orange square. Uh, and, and, and that actually brings, brings up Maggie's uh, episode, uh, which was sort of like uh, based on an artist who um, is doing these like really uh, interesting um, installations uh, in uh, uh, lighted environments. So um, if you look at her episode, you see these figures standing in a room and the room has got this sort of like glow of color in this shape. And, um, and that's actually based on a, a photograph of uh, an actual work of art and there is there is this you know these these spaces that you walk into that this artist has created that again you know is sort of lit in this fashion with these uh, this range of colors and this sh- and these shapes and you know normally it's just a room uh, but as soon as you apply the color and the lighting and and you think of the context of walking into a space that fe- like that and and the, the emotional response that you get from being in a space like that or even looking at a human being uh, in a space like that. Uh, can provide a, a bit of a response. Mm-hmm. All of that is really cool, and so you know, uh, really, the whole thing is really cool. <laughs> so, you know, well, I, suspect, like, you know. I suspect we could easily do a show, um, just and I think, cover. yeah, really, just like look at you know, take it would might even more than one show where we could look at each one of them. But I actually, you have something else that I want to I want to talk to you about, you know, so we can come back to that some other time. You recently spoke at, and if I'm remembering the conference correctly, it's made uh-huh. by few on the topic of data visualization. And, you know, if you look at the world that we're, and I mean Cognitech is moving into, our work increasingly involves providing expertise around working with, you know, large amounts of data. And while, you know, someone like me is quite comfortable sitting at a REPL enclosure and typing in expressions that produce text on a screen, which maybe represents statistics for some massive amount of data, visualization is obviously like a critical skill for or critical asset, whatever. I mean, it's a, it's a critical component of being able to produce systems, you know, for humans to use, which ultimately, as we said on the last time you were on, is what the game is all about, no matter what role you're playing. So I don't want to, I guess I don't have a specific question, I, but I know you have a lot of thoughts about visualization and that you personally are a big part of how we as a company think about visualization and provide that yeah. capability so to we our might, clients. So we might, you know, uh, talk about it in terms of data visualization. And um, and I think that there is a, a community at large that thinks uh, in terms of data visualization. But, I mean, really, uh, the, the angle that I came, came across it, and I actually didn't even say anything about how, um, I mean, I, it, it, I may, may have mentioned it in the talk, and there'll be a recording eventually, and I'll ship a link out to everybody, and that'll be kind of cool. But the talk itself, what I wanted to, what I wanted, the angle that I wanted to approach it at was, was uh, thinking of it in terms of storytelling, and the idea is that, uh, is that we communicate at all, <laughs> right? Is is actually quite a uh, quite an interesting thought. Something something that I, I don't understand all of the reasons why we do it. I can come at I can come out and say, 
you know, we, we communicate to connect with people. We communicate to, uh, in order to collaborate and, and, and you know, um, or to share the idea that we, we, just, we don't, you know, there's, there's information that, that, that we're experiencing inside ourselves and we want to get it out and we want to share it with others. And then there's this notion of we, we collectively want to get something done um, or, or maybe it's even survival, right? I mean, there's, there's you know, basic fundamental reasons why uh, we communicate. And, and, and with something so, something is like, you know, uh, it's something that seems to be so integral to our, our humanity. We, we don't have uh, these sort of universal ways of, of saying things that are actually like fundamental for life. Like, you know, like, like water, for example. The, <laughs> everybody needs water to live, right? And, and yet there's, there's no one, one way of saying it, uh, you know, on, throughout the entire globe. You know, analogy that I that I I had said uh, I think in my talk was that uh, you might you might see somebody coming coming at you and and speaking a foreign language and um, and they may have this look on their on, on you know throughout their body right so you might be able to see their body and they're 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 approaching you and and they have this and you know this look of maybe fatigue or tired or, or something right and and you see their expression and but then you're hearing the words and you don't know what they mean. And and so you're listening to the words and 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 you you have no idea what's what it, and, and then they might point uh, to something you're holding you maybe you're holding a bottle of water and 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 they might make a motion to their mouth and and you know and and, and of course I'm I'm making a visual motion uh, <laughs> drinking water which doesn't makes no sense you know to to you know but I think people can imagine right yeah and and here's the thing right it's like you might then take. The, the, the look of their body and their and their and 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 apply that information to to the to the words that they're using which may mean nothing to to you you know uh, just a bunch of abstract sounds uh, and then apply that to you know maybe the tone in which they're using and and then the motion and all of that context together all of a sudden you might say oh you need you need a drink of water right and so you, you hand the the bottle for and, and and all of a sudden their entire you know tone might may change and their entire you know because yes it's like that's what they were looking for right and that's a that's a communication thing and communication is really hard but but it's 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 also like so important it's like you know being able to tell a story is is so important being able to under you know uh like thinking and bringing it back to the software and and what it is that we do on a daily basis how it is that we work with people and how it is that we're trying to understand what, what people's goals are in consulting, for example, and, and, and being able to have a shared understanding of those goals across the team, to have an idea of what it is that we're doing in the moment when we're working on a particular piece of that goal and, and how it may you know, apply to the, the goal at large and, and how it might touch other pieces. All of that information is, is really important and it's really important that we're able to to talk with one another about uh, what it is that we're doing, or draw pictures uh, to represent the system. Or, I mean, there's all sorts of different ways of, of going about it. Uh, for me and and my talk, I I, I based it all around storytelling because ultimately I wanted to go ahead and tell some stories. And and um, the idea that um, that I had started with was. When we're telling stories, we're we're pretty much using um, a bunch of abstract things, whether it be sounds and tones, you know, uh, to represent uh, some sort of uh, you know uh, language, which is ultimately a, a map to ideas or something in the uh, physical world. To say utilizing even things like text. You know, because because even even before text ex existed, there was you know we had the uh, the concept of language and words and and we were communicating. But it but it took you know how, it, however many years to actually come up with numbers, which numbers were apparently came before uh, other written words. Um, you know, after some digging that I'd done, you know, I, I, it turns out that number keepers or accounting uh, uh, types had had come up with a system for uh, being able to keep track of uh, debts and such. <laughs> and then, you know, you think that the, and some years later, we then had actual uh, 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 an alphabet or a language for, you know, uh, ways of uh, coming up with a, a phonetic, phonetic mapping. 
which then, you know, of course, several thousand years later or whatnot, we then have notation for mathematics, which was a, a huge sort of leap in, in, in how it is that we're communicating really uh, uh, difficult concepts, uh, you know, compressing information into, into text, which, again, you know, stepping back at all of this stuff as an artist, someone who takes lines and shapes and colors and uh, materials and uh, sort of applies the elements and principles of design and art to these things in ways to to achieve goals or to to get some, to, to get some sort of result out of uh, working with these materials. All of the things that we're using are still just sort of abstract shapes and and and, and are still just colors or. You, you know what I'm saying? I mean, no, like, absolutely. I mean, ultimately, like, everything that that we do is about turning. Well, the, at least the part that people look at is is made up of millions of tiny lights yeah, <laughs> that lights we turn on and off, right? And they're rectangles. Turn on and off. Yeah. And, and and that that it's again, you know, um, there were there were there were two things that I that 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 I um, that I had represented in my slides. Uh, one and and I actually, I'll I'll go ahead and uh, send some of these out. Maybe maybe it'll affect the cover <laughs> for the art this this time. Who knows? Uh, there were two things. Um, one of which was um, the uh, the drawing of of a uh, an icon of a, a a bull or an ox and a house. And, um, and I looked at these two symbols and, and I pointed to them and I said, there, that is an ox in a house. And below that, I had uh, written out uh, Aleph Beth, which essentially are the first two letters of the Hebrew alphabet, which mean ox and house. Hmm. And Aleph and Beth uh, ultimately became Alpha Beta uh, in Greek, uh, which ultimately became, you know, there, that was the, uh, uh, the, the, the word uh, for the notation or the the letters a and b which essentially you know ultimately became the you know swished together and turned into the word alphabet and and i and i asked the question you know how did we get from ox and house to alphabet like what journey did 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 <laughs> the, the, that we all have to go through in order <laughs> to get from this this these concepts of these images that could be represented like pictures to some other images that are pictures but you know abstract sort of symbols to essentially a, a, another word string that is you know that that means alphabet or or all of the letters that are in you know uh, our phonetic mapping. That's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a really kind of an interesting thing that, to me, shows, you know, that before we even had the written word, I mean, some, some people will actually say that, you know, the written word is the birth of rational thought, you know, because before then, we just had these tones that we sort of shared, and, you know, um, it, you know the fidelity changes across uh, time and space. It, it, if you ever played the game Telephone, you know, it's like uh, somebody says something, and somebody, and that somebody says something to somebody else, and somebody says something to somebody else, and it just you know go around the circle, and and then the last person stands up and says, "Hey, you know, Ox House." <laughs> totally. It's like to me, that's like the, the greatest, like probably the, and it's still running. Like we're still playing telephone. Yeah. You know, uh, to this day. Well, it's, it's requirements. I mean, the, any software engineers are like, oh yeah, right. Somebody told somebody some requirements, and then I implemented them, and then. Well, check it out. The original yeah. person's like, yeah. that's and not see, what I to meant. Me, that's just a, a really fascinating thing. It's not, it's not particularly, you know, th thinking about it, it doesn't particularly solve any problems per se, but paying attention to it does uh, maybe affect how we behave in, in, in our communication mm -hmm. uh, and, and how it is that we might continuously ask for a little more context or, or try and validate uh, what it is that we're uh, communicating. You know, when we hear something, we might uh, repeat it in order to achieve you know, some sort of like, I, I don't know, I guess it's a, maybe an NLP. I don't know if you ever heard of NLP or neuro linguistic programming. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, there's this, there's this like sort of uh, method of, you know, you hear something and you repeat it back in order for that person to hear what they said. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then, and it's like, well, you know, oh yeah, yeah, no, that's totally what I mean. And you're like, okay, great. And then you feel like you can actually, you've been authorized to go and, and tell the story to somebody else. <laughs> right. right. Or, you know, or you get back, uh, no, actually, now that I hear it said like that, it's not what I mean. And this is what I mean, you know, <laughs> right. because, because, you know, you know, like, for example, you use a word like widget uh, and Hey, we're going to work on a widget. 
and it's like, well, you know, what does what what is a widget, you know? Um, and and then so, you know you have some idea of what a widget is, and now we're all working on this widget, and then and then somewhere down the road, somebody else says, well, now it's a plugin, and you're like, oh, well, so now somebody's talking about the plugin. What 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 does the plugin mean? And 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 now it's like everybody's sort of kind of derailed for a moment. You're like, well, it's, I I haven't heard of this plugin. You know, I'm working on the widget. And, and then you and then you discover later on that the widget and the plugin are actually the same thing. It's just two different people are calling the same thing different things, mm. um, which happens often. Well, you and, you know the joke, right? There's only two hard problems in computer science: naming things, cache invalidation, and off by one errors. <laughs> but uh, there's actually two jokes in there, right? Because naming really is a fundamental problem, even for. Well, I shouldn't say forget That's about like communication. Humanity, right? <laughs> I, I, no, I, you're totally right. I mean, this is, you know, it, Michael, every time we talk, we come back to this, right? Which yeah. is, it's a show, we talk a lot about technology, but that doesn't mean it's not about people. So here we yeah. are again, saying the well, same thing. To me, it's probably one of the most fascinating things about software and, you know, technology is that, I mean, at least to me, is, is you know, is, as, I, as I entered into this world, which, you know, I had no idea until really recently <laughs> when you think about it that, that to me was i think probably one of the most fascinating things was was the idea of like how much this is mapped i mean it's all mapped to, to the our human psychology mm. that to me is just it's just it's just incredible it's really really kind of a beautiful um a beautiful thing hmm. I, i'm interested to hear you expand on the storytelling aspect yeah. because There's, go ahead yeah go ahead no, i was no, gonna say right. that there was one other image that uh the 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 ox house to alphabet sort of journey is is a really interesting thing that communicates telephone. Another interesting uh, slide that, or to me, that was interesting that I that I put up was there's there's this uh, this notion of shape and uh, and shapes and 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 how a relationship of different shapes and lines uh, in you know uh, a particular proximity with of, to one another you know start to convey and communicate. Uh, information and um, and basically I had um, a particular slide that started with the shape of a of a uh, a rectangle and then you know the that same size uh, shape you know rectangle sitting next to it except there's a little corner of it that's kind of flapped down and triangle inverted on on itself you know like so it, so now now you might look at it and say oh that looks like a piece of paper potentially sure. or a document and then next to that you know, there is uh, um, the same sort of, you know, uh, rectangle with the corner flapped down and, and, and then there's some lines, horizontal lines drawn across it. So now, now you look at it and say, oh, well, maybe that's a, a text document potentially, right? Mm -hmm. And then next to it is, is, is the same with the text lines, but it, with, you know, adding another element to it, which was sort of this sort of swooshy looking like maybe potentially looked like a chart of some sort, uh, you know, area chart, or I don't know, uh, you know, th th this, you know, now you're looking at it and you say, oh, well that, that potentially, that looks like an image and then there's some text. So now maybe this is like some sort of a rich text document of some sort. Right. And, and then, you know, and then we move over and the final, uh, icon in the, in the sort of horizontal list of these icons, uh, was another version, same as, you know, sort of gaining fidelity along the way was the last one with uh, um, uh, the, the three letters SVG up in the top left corner. Mm. And so, right, like now all of a sudden, something that is pretty much the same, you know, just like, like it has the same foundation as the very first thing. I mean, you could use that rectangle in some context to express document, right? You might even take that rectangle and put the word document next to it. And all of a sudden you've got document. But as, as, as you look at, the, uh, at sort of the journey uh, of this particular rectangle and how it becomes this, this sort of higher fidelity icon, specifically for representing an SVG document, right? Now, all of a sudden, it's, it's you know, that context, the additional information that is encoded in, in, the, in the icon or the visualization itself it, it provided you with with all of the stuff that you needed in order to to sort of make that assumption or make that mapping, and to me, um, that's kind of what data visualization or storytelling is um, in a lot of ways uh, is 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 being able to somehow attain that fidelity 
uh, or whatever fidelity is necessary in order for the information to to, to transfer from uh, brain to brain. Hmm. That is <laughs> very no. Sorry, that's so that's sinking in right now. I was I'm 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 thinking through. So that's fascinating because. Because the, the the thing to me that strikes me is, you know, I've had the chance to work with you before, and I'm always um, really impressed by when you're able to present information in a way that, to me, I'm like, I don't know that I would be able to do that. And you, and yet, you know, you make it look easy, and that makes it sound easy. But I guess it's one of those things. Maybe, well, you tell me what you think <laughs> of the statement. It's easy when you're standing at the end to look back and see how you got there, but it's harder when you're standing at the beginning to look forward and see where you need to go. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm wondering if you have, so first of all, your reaction to that. Second of all, you know, if you have any, any advice or perspective you can lend to people like me who are like, well, okay, so I'm standing here and I've got the rectangle, <laughs> right? That seems like I can get that far you know, what should my next step be and how can I assess whether that step is telling the story or not? Mm, right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, well, first of all, the first, the first portion of that is, is the notion of uh, going forward versus looking back. And the it is true that when looking forward, um, there are all sorts of unknown problems uh, ahead of you. Uh, you, you. You have an idea for a goal, Right, you want you want you want to achieve some particular goal, and 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 you're looking ahead and you say, I could see a number of paths that I could go down in order to try and achieve that goal, and and as and you know if, and of course you have to eventually take one of them, and as soon as you take one of them, you know you discover things, you discover things that you didn't see, you don't you don't have, uh, you know it's not like we're not teleporting point from point A to point B, we're actually having to walk or journey through some environment to get to point B. And that, that the conditions along the way oftentimes provide us with more information that make us uh, alter our decision-making. Essentially, you know, means that we, we go down a particular path, we arrive somewhere and we say, nope, not going to go this way. This is, you know, this isn't going to work for, for the constraints that, that I have currently. So you, you turn around and, and, and you try something else. And eventually you, you kind of scramble your way to point B. <laughs> right mm -hmm. and and the thing is is that you know you tried all of these things you know along the way in between point a and point b and it took time because you tried all of these things and and then once you got to point b you know ultimately you look back and you look back at the path that you took and you say gosh that was that actually if i had just magically known the all of the specifics then i could have gotten to point b really quickly in sure. fact i'll get back to point a and and, and go back to point b you know, in a, a serious fraction of the time that I spent to get to getting here in the first place. Mm. And that I think is, I think that that's true. And, and actually, as an artist working with materials, it's very often that you do just magically arrive at point B. Sometimes the first decision <laughs> that you make works. And you don't know, you can't predict that, that when that's going to happen. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess that's not, that's not, I was, I was like, well, that must be nice. But a lot of our audience out there that are programmers have occasionally had the experience of running a program and it works the Just first works. time. Yeah, that's <laughs> right? it's really yeah. rare, but it does occasionally. And you, you tell oh, your friends about artist. those days. Yeah, it's a rare as an artist. In fact, what I was going to say is that you know, um, so I, I keep a sketchbook and I make lots of drawings and I draw on a regular basis. And if you look at the pile of sketchbooks that I have and and the pile of garbage that's in there, that's one of the reasons that I like to keep a sketchbook is because ultimately it is a very cheap way to explore. It's, it's, it's like, you know, a, a book has, you know, 250 pages in it or whatnot. And those 250 pages, you know, each sheet doesn't really cost that much. If I make a drawing and I don't like it, I can turn the page and I can start over. And again, right, like we're trying to get to point B. So, you know, whatever that point B is, and sometimes we don't necessarily even know what point B is, but, you know, that's a whole different problem. But, the, you know, when we're getting, when we're, when we're starting off and we're, and we, and we, we, we create a sketch, we, we work in a fashion that it's not expensive. And, you know, and, and then over time, what happens is, is your, your, your sketches, they get better. And the more sketches that you do, you know, the, everyone, you, the more uh, times you hit the jackpot. <laughs> the more, like, it's like, uh, because I've done 10,000 sketches or 50,000 sketches or 100,000 sketches or whatever, right? 
I, I may have a, a couple hundred pretty decent ones or ones that are really interesting, some that may have even been breakthroughs and changed and altered the way that I work and the way that I even see my work. I, what I was going to say is, is that, you know, one of the, I think uh, uh, one of the, one of the, uh, the, the biggest pitfalls, in my opinion, uh, in, in, in approaching any sort of visual problem is that uh, when you're sitting at point A and you're looking at trying to get to somewhere, as soon as you start going down all of the paths mentally, you can see, you see how many different ways it is that you could actually approach getting to point B, that you can actually get into decision paralysis, mm. where all of a sudden you don't take any path and you don't try any drawing because you don't know where to start. You know, like the common thought is, well, I don't know how to draw, or it's like, or hey, let's, hey, hey everybody, we're going to sit down and we're going to do some drawing. And then all of a sudden, how many adults raise their hand and say, I don't know what to draw? You know, kids don't really have that problem yet because they're just like, oh, you know, they're, they're exploring and playing and playing is their way of discovering. I still believe that playing is the way that we're discovering still to this day as adults in drawing or in anything that we do in some ways. Uh, you know, clearly we take our play maybe a little more seriously <laughs> and we've changed, you know, we've picked up some things along the way, you know, uh, our discoveries and our experiments have informed our process and, and you know, so, you know, it kind of goes back and forth. But um but that's that's I think that's one of the biggest things is is at point A when looking looking to uh, get your way to point B you know the the last thing you want to do is not do anything. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> I, that's <laughs> yeah. excellent general advice. I mean, uh, you know, how how much excellent software is there out there that is waiting? Oh, I just need to take a cleanup pass through this before I show it to anybody. Right, and maybe it maybe it's not perfect, but maybe it has some awesome idea in it that would inspire somebody else, or or serve as the basis for something, or or solicit feedback that would then turn yeah. it into an even better idea. So you'll never finish what you don't start. I mean, yeah. that's a good, and, 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 excellent you know, point. And, and on the note of like, I mean, that's I mean, that's good advice, I guess. Maybe you know, is the is the idea of um, not not to not to be scared of screwing up or or, mm -hmm. or ending up in territories where you're uncomfortable. Um, I think that mm -hmm. I think that that's like for me is a, is a major thing. Um, you know, I mean, I, I think that that's one of the things that's actually allowed me to work with all of you brilliant engineers around me. I mean, it, to me, like, you know, I, I, you know, I came into a world of technology not knowing anything about technology or, or computers, really, you know. And, you know, and, and today, you know, I write a lot of software. I write a lot of code in order to try and express ideas that, that, that you know, ultimately start off as little doodles on a piece of paper. And, and I don't think that I'd ever find myself in that situation being able to do what it is that I do if I, at some point in time, you know, told myself, no, I can't do that. Mm. So, um, you know, I, and I know that that may sound cliche or cheesy or whatnot, right? But it's like, you know, believe in yourself, you know, like really, like, it's like, you know, you can, you know, if, if a human has done it, you know, then, then, I, then I generally like to think that, that it's repeatable, that it's something, it's not just... You know, I mean, clearly, some of us are inclined to think and see things certain ways that are different than others, and we are inclined to do things different than others. But the general principle is, in, in, from where I'm sitting, uh, and, and how it is that I approach the world around me, is that if, if somebody else has done something, then I might be able to learn how to do that something. And I may not necessarily devote all of my time to that something. So it's like the difference here is like, you know, I believe that I can do anything. I know and accept that I'm not going to do everything. Sure. And, and, and that to me yeah. is like the, the belief in being able to do something has allowed, given, as, as basically I'm giving myself permission to explore something <laughs> and, and, and try some things and, and discover whether or not, you know, I'm any good at it or whether or not even, you know, I, I could have anything valuable to add to the conversation. And, and, the, and the interesting thing is, is that, uh, you know, I, I tend to find that, you know, maybe, maybe I do, you know, I, I don't know. And I think that I think other people's do too. Uh, you know, like when, when say, um, that's why I don't, I don't believe that uh, you have to be a specific kind of person in order to be a designer or an artist. I, I believe that you just have to get involved in the conversation. <laughs> I, uh, you remind me of something I tell my kids, actually, which is I, I try to remember when I hear them say, I can't. Mm -hmm. I often say, well, I don't think that's what you mean. I think you mean either I need help or I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like those are I need two, help or I don't want to. Or I don't want to. And I, I like what you said about I recognize that I'm not going to do everything. And, and I think there's a lot of power in, in instead of saying I can't, saying I don't want to. <laughs> that's okay. Like I'm not 
you know, I'm never going to be a motorcycle racer and I don't want yeah, to, my, my whatever it is, right? Actually, uh, directly, as soon as I got done sort of like laying the groundwork for basically, Hey, this communication stuff is hard and visual, visual mapping stuff is hard, you know, <laughs> and, and like, and it's like, it's, it's, it's actually with all of these problems, we do it anyway. And it's, and it's, and that's a really amazing thing to me is that even with all of the problems that we have with communication, uh, and you know, the, like the fundamental sort of issues that we have with communication, uh, and the whole time and space problem in general, and you know, uh, trying to map information into these abstract things, we, with all of the challenges that we have, we still do it anyways. To me, that is like really amazing. Mm -hmm. I think that that's really amazing. You know, and then and then I went ahead and started telling stories, and so you know, I told personal stories, uh, stories. Uh, about, you know, uh, me on my journey to becoming, you know, running a marathon, you know, or mm -hmm. like getting into running and, and, and or, you know, uh, uh, and, 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 and the cool thing that my daughter made me for when I finished my marathon, because, you know, I didn't run a marathon that was uh, uh, for, uh, you know, it wasn't like a group event. I remember you and I, we had talked about this and, and you were like, well, hey, are you going to actually participate in an event, you know, I was like, well, no, I don't think so. I think I just want to go and go the distance, you yeah. know, and, and I just went and ran, ran for myself. And, you know, along the way, my, my daughter, she was like, you know, meeting me at checkpoints with uh, uh, bananas and, and, you know, Gatorade kind of like, <laughs> and like just seeing her, you know, and she had these paper signs that she had made, like, go dad, you know, you can do it, you know, kind of, kind of thing. Yeah. And, uh, and at the end of it all, she gave me this, um, and I, I shared a picture of it. And see, this is, this is like, again, it's like, if I showed you this picture, you might look at it like and not knowing, not having the extra additional story or context or me telling the story. You know, you might look at it and say, oh, well, that looks like a, a piece of construction paper with the word marathon spelt wrong on it. And this little funny looking thing that I, I'm not sure if it's a whale or if it's a shoe, uh, <laughs> but it's but it's there. And then and then you're looking at it and it's like and it's in a circle and there's a piece of like plastic string kind of going through it. You know, this was my medal. This was the achievement that I got. Mm -hmm. and, and it was like my daughter witnessed this whole thing. She gave me this 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 thing. And to me, it's like that product tells a story. She, it is a product. She made it and gave it to me. And it tells a story. And it's, and, it's, and it's one of the coolest things, one of the coolest products that I have in my possession. And, um, you know, and, you know, and then I can go on and talk about all of the other things that is amazing about my daughter and how she's inspired me to do all sorts of crazy things, right? And again, it's like we use these things, pictures, uh, you know, words, art, these artifacts, uh, in in time, in you know, in in, in in person with each other, in order to try and convey uh, information and tell these stories, you know, to me, it's I think that's actually really uh, that's what it's that's what data visualization is really all about, is is being able to try and tell some story, is it, and and you know and, and it's you know it's uh, I mean really that that is uh, uh, when you, when you think about the, some of the people that are leading in, in the data visualization space, you know, you start and, and, and look around and you see uh, places like the New York Times uh, or, you know, or, or different uh, other, you know, news journalist type, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. like these, like the Guardian or whatnot. I mean, these, you know, these newspaper manufacturers are, are you know, uh, employing journalists that are trying to tell stories and, you know, and, and they go out and they don't have the data, right? They, they, we make assumptions, you know, we have, we have a curiosity and we go out and try and get the facts. We try and go out and get the story. And then, you know, essentially uh, along the way, we, we come across some technology, uh, interesting technology problems and apply, you know, some technology and collect data. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, we start getting these visualizations uh, and we use them to enrich maybe the text that we're, that we're writing. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally does. I, I wonder if um, we should, uh, we, at some point soon, we'd probably need to start wrapping it up. But I, okay. it's so interesting that <laughs> I want to I see if I can get you to help me with something concrete like I, I'm, I'm beginning to see the edges of, of what you mean by storytelling but I wonder if there is a good uh, familiar example you can think of maybe something on a computer or a phone or, or even in the world where you know that tells a story and it helps you you, do, you, know, you know what I'm trying to say like a, sure, a I good mean, well, example of um, that actually I mean there's a lot of really good examples out there but you know I mean I, I just recently took a um, Actually, there's not only a lot of really good examples, there's a lot of really bad examples, too. <laughs> um, and actually, and so, I, like, I'd actually rather point people in the direction of, of, of somebody who um, is communicating uh, the difference between uh, good and, and bad. And to me, like, when I think of, like, you know, I, I, he's, he's, a, he's a known 
uh, voice in, in the space. And um, I recently took a class with Edward Tuft. Mm-hmm. And it was, it, was, it was probably one of the coolest eight hours I'd ever spent in terms of like, you know, when I think of like going to conferences and things like that, like, you know, uh, how much of my attention is captivated. Uh, you know, my, my attention was completely captivated the entire time. In fact, so much that during the lunchtime, I didn't talk to anybody. I just had to brain, I had to brain dump, write down all sorts of different things. And, and, you know, and it actually affected my, my talk that I gave, uh, made by few quite a bit, um, you know, and how, how I delivered it and, and some of the, the topics I wanted to touch on. And, you know, in his, in his presentation, he actually pointed out some really wonderful examples. And so I, I, I would point people in the direction of, of looking at uh, some of Edward Tuft's books and reading and exploring uh, some of that space because, you know, to him, you know, uh, it, it, it really does come, come down to being able to tell a story. And, you know, uh, sort of like, you know, the doctor has the do no harm uh, sort of oath that, you know, originally was taken, right? What is it, mm-hmm. the Hippocratic Oath, right? Yep. Uh, it's, you know, there's like this notion of do no harm. And, and in the data visualization space, you know, he's like, you know, he, he talks about, you know, uh, uh, maintaining cleanliness, you know, keeping your keeping your hands clean or, or like there's this notion of uh, uh, when uh, presenting a, a data visualization, you know, you don't want to mislead people. Uh, it's not enough to just like slap a, um, a bar chart or a graph of some sort and, and you know, apply numbers to it and, and then, you know, and then use that uh, to to like say, hey, you know, this is you see, this is the evidence. Look at it. <laughs> right. And you're like, and people look at it and they, and they're like, Whoa. And, and then, and then, you know, like, uh, he actually during, uh, his talk and his presentation, uh, sort of broke one of these things down and showed how like, you know, uh, that the, some of these shapes were really misleading and how, you know, and of course this is really difficult for me to communicate because I, I'm trying to talk about something visual, but, sure. but, but, but the, 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 um, the, the point is, is that, you know, uh, he very specifically broke down and showed how how the visualization was misleading, and uh, and and how dangerous it was to have this, you know, sitting next to uh, say like a political article. Um, you know, it, it, as people trying to tell a story and convey information, how important it is that uh, uh, we we try to do so for for you know for. Uh, some to have some ethics essentially <laughs> you know mm-hmm. you know because because we want we want to convey truth we want to convey convey some something you know uh you know not that's not just to, to uh, you know uh, ma- manipulate uh, opinion but to uh to actually you know the idea of is like a, a data-driven uh visualization is that you know we've captured some facts of some sort you know and 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 to allow those things to uh to speak for themselves and express themselves uh, in, in some way, uh, through these, uh, elements and principles of design. That's a, that's a great resource. I have, I have had his books on my, kind of on the back of my mind to read, but I think I may have to, to move them up and we'll certainly link to, yeah. I mean, and, the, you know, and, and, you know, other, other, uh, examples I would say, uh, in terms of like, uh, looking at, uh, things that might change how it is that you think about interfaces and think about how it is that you're visualizing systems. You know, uh, uh, Brett Victor, I don't know if you're familiar with Sure, yeah. Uh, yeah, I just, to me, like, I remember uh, being introduced to Brett Victor and, and seeing his work and basically, you know, uh, went on a rampage to find all of the talks and all of the things that he's <laughs> done and, and just consume because I, I really appreciated uh, his uh, way of utilizing uh, new mediums in order to, uh, to sort of extend our the uh, the human condition, right? Which is that we we have this information and we want to see it and we want to communicate it, and um, and and we've had these methods over uh, uh, over ages that we've you know created tools in order to uh, sort of extend our capabilities. You know, we we can't see nebulas, but we can because of telescopes. We can't see. Uh, microorganisms, but we can because of microscopes. You know, mm. we can't we can't we can't see sound, but we can because of computers and MIDI data. You know, mm-hmm. so, so like um, you know, it's like we we uh, we have tools. We create ways of 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 communicating uh, information, and uh, um, and and he just has a really interesting way of going about it. And uh, yeah, it'd be a huge inspiration. Cool. Yeah. Well, we'll like I say, we'll definitely link to that as well. And. Obviously something I should, uh, as a well-rounded person, look into as well. But we are kind of coming to the end of our time. I do want to take a few minutes here at the end and make sure that uh, I give you a chance to mention anything that we didn't get a chance to get to today that you think is important for us to mention. Obviously, you know, we will be having you back on. <laughs> You're a super important part of Cognitech, and um, it, we would be remiss if we were to not. I think I mentioned this to you before the show. You're actually 
one of our more requested uh, guests, people have said, you guys have to have Michael on again, and I'm sure we'll hear that um, again in the in the coming months as the time since your last appearance grows. Um, but like I said, we want to make sure that we take a few minutes here at the end and give you a chance to mention anything else that you that you want to well, put no, out there I, uh, that people um, know. I think we're good. I think that uh, you know, I'm, I'll be. I'm interested. That's a, that's kind of that kind of uh, was fascinating to me that people might have requested to, to hear me. I, I wasn't. I wasn't sure like where where we were all at. You know, like the the, the cover art specifically is like one of the coolest things that uh, that I get to do uh, at Cognitech. Uh, it's just really cool to be a part of the show, and uh, um, I, just, I just think it's. I just think it's really cool. Well, the, the, the whole collaboration is is awesome. Well, here's another one you get to do. I know, and I actually thought about it. I was like, I was wondering, do I want to do this one again? Like my, you know, the last episode I didn't do. Uh, I, I handed it off to Kevin Altman. Right. And he, <laughs> you know, I was like, hey, why don't you do my my show episode cover art? Um, <laughs> you know, this one maybe I'll actually do. I don't know. I've got I've got a number of ideas, but uh, okay. but uh, yeah, it's 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 definitely a really cool a really cool thing. And um, the other, you know, the other uh, aspect of that I'd like to get people thinking about is that. You know, uh, now that I think about it, <laughs> you know, there's this notion of like data and, and, you know, people, people are, you know, data is the big word, right? Mm-hmm. Like people, people are like, you know, data, data driven, uh, you know, data collection, data input, data, uh, you know, data processing. visualization, yep. data processing, data, 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 data is cool that, you know, the idea of, of data to me is, is uh, even, even the things that we store are abstractions, you know, uh, the, the ones and zeros, right? Mm-hmm. Like everything, like everything that we, like even on the level of storing data, it's the idea is, is we're trying to store information. Mm. And I'd like to distinguish the difference between data and information uh, in the sense that, you know, one is this, is this thing, this, 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 this thing that we're collecting, uh, collecting through, uh, a series of symbols, and the other one is actually uh, something that's a little bit closer to our uh, to our awareness, which is it's actually meaningful. It's it's the aha moment that we get when looking at something. The difference between data and information, and and it's not you know it's I don't think that it's enough to just collect data, or to work with data. It's it's I think that I think that we should we should actually be thinking about why. This, this, infor- why we're collecting this stuff, and 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 how it is that we're going to make it meaningful. Because as our context changes over time, uh, we are burying ourselves further and further into uh, data that's irrelevant to our our in the moment. Uh, what what it is that we're looking for, and, and the whole reason that we stored it in the first place, which was because we think that it might be useful sometime in the future. Well, Michael, that sounds like a whole other podcast that I would love to, to do with you. It's also excellent um, parting thoughts for this one uh, that, that will dovetail nicely to possibly our next conversation, uh, at least our next recorded conversation. I hope to speak to you. Uh, you yeah, know, we'll uh, talk. Exactly. We'll talk. We'll talk. So uh, so let's, let's let's close it down there with the last question that we always yeah. have the show um, with, which is the music here, Craig, that you to play I, on the I, way you out. Know, the intro was, uh, was, was, pretty, was pretty easy for me because I was thinking, oh, man. Uh, Portlandia, you know, that's, that's, sure. that, that makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, on the way out, um, you know, I've, I've, I've struggled with this one, but, but I think that maybe, um, uh, it is, it is called, uh, sure, Zick Zack, uh, by mode selector, by mode selector. All right. Well, Zick Zack by mode selector is coming up in the background right now. I don't, I don't know if you have any, uh, any context, like we talked about context yeah, um, no, that you want to provide uh, for that um, song. A German uh, sort of like uh, electronic musician. Uh, uh, I think he's out of Berlin or whatnot, but he's just amazing. Uh, there's uh, a number of different albums. Uh, Monkey Town's a really great album that I, that I like. And then there's also, uh, um, I think the, the Zig Zack is on uh, Hello Mom. Cool. Uh, yep. All right. Well, we, well that, like I said, people are hearing that right now. They'll hear a bit, hear a bit more at the end of the show. Clearly, and they can definitely look in the show notes if they want to get uh, links to that. And of course, you know, things aren't hard to find on the internet this day, but these days. But um, while that's playing, I will make sure that I thank you again for coming on the show, Michael. Super great to have you. I always enjoy it. Yeah, well, I, you know, it's absolutely our pleasure. Um, you know, uh, like I said, people wanted to hear you, and I was one of those people. <laughs> um, so, always fun to talk to you. Just find that um, you have a very interesting way of, of thinking about things and. And and on, on top of that, the types of problems that you're asked to solve and the types of problems I'm asked to solve are 
not completely the same thing, although they, you know, serve the same end. And so it's just nice to get a chance to like sit down for an hour and and hear about um, what's in Michael's brain more. And uh, so this is really <laughs> great. So I'd be really th thanks again for coming on. It's been really, really great to have you on again. the awesome. show. Again. Yeah, we'll do I, it again soon. I, it's super, super grateful. Thanks. Cool. And uh, well, we will close it there. Uh, we will also yeah. thanks our, our listeners uh, for listening. This has been the Cognicast. have been listening to the Cognicast. The Cognicast is a production of Cognitech Inc., whom you can find on the web at cognitech.com and on Twitter at Cognitech. Our guest today was Michael Parento on Twitter at Michael Parento, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-P-A-R-E-N-T-E-A-U. The Cognicast is produced with help from Alex Miller, Damian Mack, Jamie Kite, Lynn Grogan, Michael Fogus, Paul DeGrandis, Sam Mumbach, and Stuart Sierra. Episode cover art is by Michael Parento. Audio production by Russ Olson. Our producer is Kim Foster. I'm your host, Craig Andera. Thanks for listening. <laughs>